and everything. It was like everything was a competition. And, and you know, we're a lot like this. Uh, I remember a, a, of times that, just all kinds of different times. There's one time I wanted to share with you, and, and uh, I was at work, and, I, and when I got out of the military, I went to work for my uncle, and, and I went to work, and it was, it was kind of a cool deal, and I wasn't looking for a job, but it kind of found me. So basically what it means, I went to visit my uncle when I got out, and he said, hey, you got a job yet? I'm like, oh, I've been out for two days. He goes, hold on. And, well, I had a job before I left. And I planned on being unemployed for a little while, but that didn't work out. And, uh, but what, what happened out of that was, is there, I ended up going in there, and I seen this a girl back there. Yeah, you know where this is going. And, and I seen this, this, young, this young lady, and I thought, man, I like her. And, and it happened to be our company had an outing, and, and we were out there, and, and I kind of made it known that I kind of liked her, and there was someone else that liked her, and then we got in a contest, and who was the best? And, there, and, of course, this young lady was in on this, too. She was in there. I'm sure she was enjoying it. And, um, and so somehow I became a chef. I was never a chef in the Navy, by the way. I was a firefighter in the Navy. But I was a chef in the Navy, and I was a better cook. And, and it came down to what we were going to do is, is, is have a contest of who can um, make the best meal. And, and, and this young lady came up and she, that, that we were dueling over said, uh, she said, well, whoever brings me lunch Monday, and, and it's the best, I'll go out on a date with them. And I thought, man, that's fantastic. All right. And so I went back, and actually what I did was I cooked a lasagna. I made home, homemade uh, garlic bread the whole nine yards, and, and, and there's still, there's supposedly a crunch berry hidden in there, but there really wasn't. But, uh, but I did that, and I brought it in, and, and the other guy didn't, so I got a date. Well, that's my wife that I met, and that was Jenny, and, and so, you know, we had this contest, and I ended up, I won, right? I may amend did I ever win, so that was fantastic, because that's how we are, though. We're like that with everything. It seems like everything is a competition, and like you've seen in the video, sometimes that becomes a problem, and, but this is nothing new. Uh, our text today, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to, we're going to, um, We'll pray, we'll read, and then we'll pray. But if you get in your Bibles, if you turn to Mark chapter 9, and this is some, some text that we read just a few days ago. And in Mark chapter 9, we see something very similar to this. We see where, where the disciples are, are, are having an argument on who's the best, right? And uh, in verse nine, uh, or chapter 9, verse 30 through 41, it says... From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and they did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And, and then when he has been killed, he'll raise three days later. But they did not, did not understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he, was, when he was in the house, they began to question them. What were you discussing along the way? But they kept silent. For they were discussing with one another which of them were the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve, and he said unto them, If anybody wants to be first, he has to be last and servant to all. Taking a child, he set, uh, he set him before them. And he began, he, and taking them into arms, he said unto them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. And then John said to him, Teacher, hey, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For he is, who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of uh, your name as a follower of Jesus, truly I say unto you, he will not lose his reward. So when we see and we're looking at this text, we see the very same kind of conversation. And I can imagine the different one, maybe Simon Peter going, you know, hey. 
I was just up on the mount with him, and I was one of the inner circle. You know I should be on Christ's right hand. And they had this conversation, just like I've done many times with my friends. And, and I've got to be honest with you, even in ministry I've had these conversations. And, and it seems like, I think when I read in the Bible where Paul says, I die daily, I think that's what he's talking about. Every now he has to, he has to kill himself so that he can be rededicated to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, right now, I, I just pray that you would just not only stir my heart, but stir every heart in here, Lord. And, and if there's things that we're being competitive about that, that are, are not honoring you, and, and Lord, I pray that you speak directly to us. Speak, speak directly to me, Lord. I pray that you just uh, condition our hearts right now. Uh, Lord, I just want to, be, I want to be yours in every way, every aspect of my life, Lord. I just want to submit to you because I know that your will is perfect. Um, we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I've I seen several of you guys who were looking at that video and everything. It's like, oh, yeah, this is funny. And all of a sudden they got real serious at the end when Jesus came on the scene, didn't it? You know, it really makes you kind of think. Um, we need to resist selfish pride. I think pride is, pride's, by the way, pride I think is probably the number one thing that's going to send people to hell. Pride. Well, I don't want someone to know where I am standing right now in my relationship with God the Father. I don't want someone else to know that, that maybe I don't have a relationship with him. If I was to come forward, then people would know that I haven't trusted him. Or, well, they don't know what's happening in my secret life. You know, and, and, we, and we build this up, this wall, and it's a wall of pride because we're afraid that someone's going to know our business. I remember when I was growing up, my grandma used to take her, uh, her, her groceries and they'd be in a stack, and she'd make sure it wasn't filled all the way up because that way she can close the top. And I asked her one time, I said, Grandma, why, don't, why, why do you always close up the top of your bags when you're coming from the grocery store? She goes, because I don't want anybody to know my business. I'm thinking, it's not your business, Grandma, it's groceries. You know, but that's how, that's how we are, right, on it. Um, in, in verses 33 and 34, it says, They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, What are you discussing in this way? But they kept silent, for they were discussing with one another who was the greatest. I want to give you guys a couple things here, and just to think about this. All right, they... The, the, they've already went up the mount of, uh, on the top of the Mount of Olives, and, and, and Jesus was transformed in front of them, and Moses and Elijah was there, and, and, and they'd just seen this. Um, not to mention right before, or right, at, or right before this, they were having this discussion. Jesus was just telling them that, listen, I'm getting ready to be crucified on the cross. I'm going to die on the cross, and, and then three days later, I'm going to rise again. Do you think that that would not be a big topic of conversation? You know, Lord, tell us about this. But no, they're talking about who's going to be the best. They want to know who's the greatest. Guys, this happens in our churches all the time. All the time. I'm no different. I, it, it's so easy to get up in a place like this and start po pointing fingers at people. And, and, and what we do is we say, well, listen, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. But man, I'm just like everybody else. Listen, I've got this thing, this flesh right here, and it's damaged, let me tell you. It's got problems. And, and, and unfortunately, my mouth a lot of times speaks before my mind ever catches up. And then d days later, I look back and I think, oh, you moron. What an idiot. Can you believe you said that? And I'm like, nope. But I did. And I have the same kind of problems they do. You know, I allow the things of this world a lot of times to become more important to me than sometimes what Jesus is. I, I, I miss the conversation Christ is having with me because I can follow something else that maybe seems like shiny, right? And I think, oh, I want that now. And I do these kind of things. Um, I think about it when, when Jesus says, hey, what were you talking about? Do you think they might have been a little embarrassed? Do you think they might have been a little embarrassed and they start, started saying, you know, well, man, I don't 
we're talking about that ball game, Jesus, or something. You know, they, were, they, they didn't want to say that they were talking about who can be greatest, who is the best on it. The sin of selfish pride gets in the way of our walk with God. When I allow the things of this world, the things of my own pride, if I allow these things to come in my way, they mess up my walk with Jesus. They mess up my walk with God. As I suffer to get closer to him, I get this problem. I have this thing, it's called I. I want. I need. I got to do this. I have to be first. I want my recognition. I want to be recognized. I can't get that word out for the life of me right there. But you guys knew what I meant. But I suffer from the eyes. I'm your pastor, and I'm telling you, I suffer from eyes. And those are the things that kind of come into my way. Uh, in Philippians 2.3, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty consent, uh, but be with all humility of the mind and regard one another as themselves. Um, as more important than yourself. The thing I understand is, is when I put people in front of me and I put other people's needs in front of me, I feel like, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I get more blessed, I think, than they do. Uh, I have a letter that, that I actually had Michelle put it back on the board. I went back and got it again. Uh, Mark and uh, Marilyn has a letter, and I'll put this back on the board for you guys to read it. And, and it kind of gives you an update of what's kind of going on with Kayla, kind of where she's been, some of the blessings that God has done uh, through all this, just through all the stuff that's going with them. And I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, God is great. And I can, I can see where people are working in their lives, and, and, and some people will never know how much God loves them until they see how much you love them. Listen, when I love on you, it's not because... I have that ability, it's because God has loved me and showed me what that looks like. He showed me what it's like to do those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with having ambitions in life. I'm not saying that, listen, you just got to not do this. There's nothing wrong with having ambitions. You can have ambitions about your church. You can have ambitions about your family, about your work. But it's the context that we put them in. But when we have selfish ambition... That's when we put ourselves in front of others. It's that I thing. It's I have a problem. I have a problem. I on all these things. I want you to read, hear something. I was going to say I want you to read it, but it'd be kind of hard to do it because it's right up here. Um, in his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins points out a surprising discovery. The leaders of these great companies who were actually very humble men and women wrote, the best CEOs in our research displayed tremendous ambition for their company. Yet at the same time, they displayed a remarkable humility about themselves, ascribing much of their own success to luck, discipline, and preparation rather than personal genius. I'll get that later. They understood that, that listen, yeah, they might have had some vision, and they might have had these different things, but it was the other people that, that, that were a big part of what they have to do. We can have that ambition, but it has, can't be our goal. We also need to realize that God's service is better. God's service is better. I wish I could remember the exact quote, but there's a, there's a quote that Steve Jobs had, and it just hit me just now. But he had a quote that talked about as he was, as he was there and, and, and he, was gonna, he was short from dying, you know, you get very reflective on your life. And he was looking back at his life and he thought about it, how ambitious he was and how he fought. And he's legendary for some of the things that he's done. And I don't mean in a good way. Just a tough, tough man. And he says, I look back and he goes, I got all the money I could ever want. I've got all these different things. I've accomplished all these different things. He goes, and I look back now and I kind of think it really doesn't mean anything as I'm not far from dying. And that's what the world does. It wants to put all these great things in front of you and say, well, listen, if you serve this, it's going to fulfill everything you have. But the fact of the matter, God's service is so much better. It's so much better. In nine, verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Sitting down, he called the twelve and said unto them, If anyone wants to be first, 
He shall be last in service to all. Wow. So if I want to be first, I've got to be the lowest. If I want to be first, I've got to be willing to let everybody go in front of me and be last. And that is opposite completely of what the world teaches. See, this is the difference. In, in, in the world's economy, is the higher I climb the corporate ladder, the more I get in the top, the more responsibility I might have, but the more people I command underneath me. I've made it. I'm at the top of the mountain. But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, listen, the, the higher you go in my model, the lower you become. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And I, I want you guys to realize something about that. So if you, were, if you were the servant in that household, the person that would wash the feet when they came in was not the top servant. It was the lowest of lowest servants. So if you were like the newest servant, the lowest one, you were the one that came in and washed everybody's nasty feet after they were out there walking around, dust in their sandals, sweat, and all that stuff. It's like, thanks, you know, and you're washing the, their feet. And here you have, you have Jesus, the Lord of Lords, and he gets down and he starts washing the disciples' feet. And he, what he was showing them is, listen, I am your master. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. But yet I am humbling myself down to this lowest servant standard by washing your feet, listen, if you want to be a servant for God, you've got to be willing to be a servant from other people. You've got to be willing to be able to humble yourself, put away that selfish pride, put away these different things, and understand that serving God is more important. I told you a story before about a, a lady who had all kinds of problems and she wanted to talk to the pastor and all this, and he was really busy and he couldn't. And he said, told her, he says, hey, I want you to just go, do me a favor, go out and, will you make some cookies and, and deliver them to, to some of our shut-ins? And she's like, I don't know why you want me to do it, but I will. And she does. And then what happens is, is, is a couple weeks later when he, she's supposed to meet up with the pastor, they had an appointment, she doesn't show up. And finally, about three, four weeks later, they run across each other at church. He says, I thought you were coming to talk to me. He says, Pastor, I don't have time for that right now. I'm too busy making cookies for people. What happened? She put other people in front of the problems that she thought she had, and what happened to her problems? They just kind of took care of themselves because she was doing service, and then the other things became a little less. We need to be willing to become a servant. In God's kingdom, the way up is down, and the way down is up. It's exactly opposite. James 4, 6 says, But he gave... Uh, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. Grace to the humble. Now, I talked about my grandma a little bit. She's one of the most humble people I ever, meek and mild. Wow. And I think I need to be a lot more like that in my life. I've got this competitive side to me. If you don't believe me, let's just, I'll bet you. You know, I do. I've got this competitive side. I, I, when I, I raced motorcycles and my favorite place was last, no. I wanted to be in front of everybody else. You know, that was fun. You know, but, but now I just want to be a servant. I think it's more important. Later, James goes on to says, in 4.10 it says, Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. If I want to get exalted, again, this is opposite. Pick this up. If I want to be exalted, if I want to be put back up on top, I've got to humble myself. I've got to do the exact opposite. I've got to be humble. I want to be a servant. I want to do different things. And I just want to serve the Lord and let him take care of everything else. 
You know, if I need to get a pat on the back, let Jesus do it. Let me not look for it. I've seen preachers that preach for amens, and you've got to admit, we, we like them. I'm just telling you. I'm not asking for them, though. But you know what? Let's just serve Jesus and let him be exalted. Let him do things. My, my vision that I believe that God's given me for this church is, is that, listen, let us just do your service and let's do your will and let's see what God can do. Let's just see what happens in this church. Let's see what happens in this community. Let's see what happens in the lives of the different people around here. As they grow into a relationship with Jesus Christ, as our relationships with Jesus Christ grow, and we make much of him, you know, odds are this church, the people are like, woo, over there at First Baptist Church Crotherville, things are happening. Now Jesus is doing things. We just love him. Do you love me? Do you? Jesus said, keep my commandments. Do you love me? Do what I told you to do. The job of the church is to be humble. Above all things, be humble. This isn't a country club. This isn't a place to be of a status that, hey, I go to... And this is a preparing, this is a place that prepares you to go out so that we can be the hands and feet of, of Jesus. Joseph, Jesus showed us the ultimate humble when he washed the feet of his disciples. Showed us the ultimate on it of service, of, of setting pride aside and just being humble by doing that. Here's a point for you to consider. In God's eyes, greatness is not determined by how many servants you have, but how many people you serve. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be really great? Serve a lot of people. You want to be first? You've got to be the very last. This world's going to tell you the exact opposite. It's going to say, listen, hey, look out for number one. You better get this because if you don't get yours, you're just not going to. It's a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to be the top dog. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, listen. He goes, just be a servant. Be about the work of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. And by the way, it's not supposed to be like this. We're not supposed to... I'm just trying to think of how I want to put this. I've had a lot of ambition in life to do a lot of things. And, and I, like I said, I'm a very competitive person. And, and, I, and I'm happy to say, and, and, and I'm not boasting or anything else like this, that God is starting to change my heart on those things. He's showing me that houses and cars and all these different things are kind of nice, but they're not what it's about. It's about telling other people about Jesus. The, the, my goal is, is that as I get closer and closer to meeting the Lord, and it could be tomorrow, by the way, as I get closer and closer to him, I want to have a lot less of me and have a lot more of him in me. I want to be a lot like Billy Graham that we talked about, that you have all these different people saying, man, look how mightily God used him. But I haven't heard people say, look at how mightily he was for God. He was a servant. He was a servant. It's funny that Jesus goes on and he changes this and he brings his child up and he sets him in his lap. We want to remember the children. In verse 36, it says, Taking a child, he set it before him, and, and, and talking, taking him in his arms, he said unto them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me 
does not receive me, but he, he who sends me. I wonder when they were going to, I, I wonder when he sat down and he pulled those disciples all together in a group. I wonder if he thought, if they, if they, maybe they thought they said, listen, you know what, he's getting ready to call me out and say I'm the greatest. He's going to get ready to put me at the right hand side because, you know, that's where I belong. Because I'm greater than y'all. But he doesn't do that. He goes over and he grabs his child. And he sets his child up on his lap. And I can see it on his lap. And maybe he's facing the disciples. And this child's facing the disciples. And he goes on to, he says, Hey, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but he who sent me. You know, it's funny about kids. Do you know kids know, just know joy? They do. It's funny, my niece is here today. And I, I didn't plan that, by the way. She's back here and, and we were, uh, her dad was out of town and, and getting ready to come back. And we were getting ready that the day he was coming back. And we we're talking about having a dinner. And, and so we're playing there. I'm sitting on this side and little London's on the other side. And I grab a pillow and I'm sitting there. I just kind of toss it and bounce it off of her. And she's like, ha ha. And she's just like all funny. And we did that back and forth. She'd throw the pillow back down. I grab it and throw it. And she'd just laugh. Kids just know joy. And whatever thing that happened to it is, it was when other people, when she started laughing, other people kind of giggle too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And we just do it more and more and more. And finally she says, okay, I'm done. But they know joy. Kids know joy. Proverbs, the first part of Proverbs 17.22, it says, a joyful heart is good like a medicine. When we get a heart inside of us, and we have joy, man, it's good. It, it doesn't, you've heard it, it says, what, what was it, I think it was Publisher Clearinghouse that originally did it, it says, laughter is the best medicine. And you've heard it quoted over and over again. And it, well, where did they get that from? From Proverbs. Kids also know unreserved love. They know unreserved love. Uh, they do not pull away from it or wait for a good time. They just love. You know, when you grab them, and, and I think about my kids, and, and, and I would grab them when they were small. I still try to grab them now, but it's not as cool now. Dad's getting old, and um, they're getting big. But I grab them, and they nestle their head up against your shoulder, and they just give you that big hug, and you're like, man, that's love right there. And they just give it. Kids just give love. They know joy, and they just give love. They don't look at who they're going to give it to, uh, I don't want to enter, I don't want to, Josie's back there, so I guess I can do it. But, ah, uh, oh, I'm sorry, there she is. When Josie was small, sorry, Jos. When, jo, <laughs> when Josie was small, man, I'll tell you what, she did not know a stranger. You'd walk over, we'd be in church or somewhere, she'd walk over and just go, give you a hug. Everybody was like, oh. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the kids. Just love. Just love. Show unrestrained love. But the sad thing is we get older, we pull back, and we don't want to put ourselves out there. We're afraid that if we put ourselves out there that someone's going to step on us. You know, i got to keep everything tight to heart because if I don't do that, then, then I'm setting myself out there and someone's going to probably crush me and hurt me or, or take advantage of me. But listen, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says just be humble. Just love people. Don't be restrained. Just love people. we got to be a lot like the kids because kids just trust, by the way. They just trust in people. Uh, little London, I, one of my favorite things to do with her is I will hold her up. I, I thought about I was going to get her to come up here and I was going to use her during this, but she's got this word that she likes right now called no. And I thought, hey, Lundy, do you want it? No. I'm like, okay, how do I move on from there in this illustration? So I didn't do it. But, uh, but one of the things I'd love to do with Lundy is I hold her, and I'll count to three, and I'll just let her go. And then I'll grab her real fast before she hits the ground, and she just starts, she gets this biggest smile that you could ever get on your face, just this big, giant smile, and, and she just loves. She, she trusts me. She says, she knows that Uncle Jeff is not going to drop her and bounce her off the ground. I go, oh, sorry, honey, want to do that again? you know, kind of deal. She knows I'm going to catch her. And we'll do it over and over again. Eventually, I'll go one, two, and she'll go three. And I'll let go, and I'll catch her. She just trusts me. Why, why don't we be a little bit more like that, too, and just trust God? 
Trust God that he is going to catch us when we fall. Because what happens is, is we say, God, I've got all this in my life, but then when everything gets hard and everything, we get down this little spot and we feel like we're being crushed, and we're like, God, where are you? I thought you had it. But we need to trust him all the time, not just when it gets hard. Just trust him. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, God is going to give us just what we need for the next day. He's going to give us the need. Well, Jeff, when I talk to people, I don't know what to say. He says, listen. He goes, I'll put the words in your mouth. You just do it. And we've got to trust him. I don't know if you guys know it. It's not easy to be up here. But I just trust him. I think about a child when it comes to Christ. And they say, they say listen, I want Jesus. And everybody goes, well, they're just a child. You know, they just believe. When I, when I was teaching my kids, I said, you know, I'd show them that, hey, this is blue. And they say, okay, that's blue. This is red. Okay, this is red. Don't touch this. This is hot. Okay, I won't touch it. They just trusted me that I was going to do the right thing. Well, in our Bible, that's what God's doing for us. They're saying, he says, listen, I don't want you to sin because when you do it, this is going to be greater. This is what's going to happen. Listen, I want you to go out and tell people about me because I want to interact in their life like I am interacting in your life. We just need to trust the Word of God for what it says. Kids do. My oldest is still at boot camp, and, and, and I remember a time my wife was working at a Japanese restaurant. It was called Satuma. It's not there anymore in Columbus. And there was a, he's in there, and, and the, the, one of the ladies that, that, washes dishes in the back they had everybody's bringing kids it was a christmas party is what it was and jared i look over and justin's telling this little girl about jesus and how she needs to trust him and i'm like yes that's what it's about heart proud i felt like god was exalting me because of my son i said justin what are you doing he said well she needs jesus dad I said, good job, Bubba. Keep it up. He told me that he's in boot camp right now. He says, listen, I don't know why I'm going through all this stuff right now. He goes, but there's a kid in here that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I've been sharing scripture with him. Amen. That's what it's about. Here he's in one probably, I would safe to say, one of the toughest times of his entire life. And he's telling someone about Christ. That makes me proud, by the way. I just want to tell you that. I don't mean a selfish pride. I'm just proud that, 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 that God is using him right now. I want to see that for everyone in here. Do you realize that each one of us, if we just got about God's business, we can radically change this entire world? We've got people that mock God and they mock all these different things that are going on. They're afraid to, to step out there. They're that, we talked about the sowers last week. They're a lot like that, that seed that falls on the, on the, on the stony soil or, the, or the, by the wayside and the birds come in and they gobble it up. Some of them are mocking. Some of them are really excited, but they don't want anybody else to know. If we as a church get about the Father's business, wow. Here's the thing about the Bible. You know there's no, uh, I, I read this little thing, it was about a CIA, and it was about this, this note a guy found, and it just like this little like, code that he found inside a, an elevator, and he brought it to the code breakers thinking that something's got to be going on here, and they work on it for a couple weeks, and they can't get anywhere with this code. And, and then finally, an older lady is walking by and looks at it, and she goes, oh, that's nothing fancy. She goes, that's for about knitting. It means, it means curl wants, go over here, and then do this and do this, and they're all looking at it like it's some big code that they're trying to break, and it was just knitting instructions. You know, sometimes it's pretty sleek. It's not, there's not a lot there. You know, when we, the entire Christian uh, life can be summarized in three commands to Jesus. He said, come unto me, salvation. He said, follow me, that's discipleship. And then he said, abide in me. That's where the spirit just rules our life. That's where we live a spirit-filled life and we're out there. 
in the ditches and, and everything else. There's a story of one time about D.L. Moody. He said he was walking. He was a big evangelist, and he's walking, and he's with another preacher, and there's a guy down in the gutter, and he's all drunk and passed out. And the guy made a comment and says, look at that old stinking drunk over there. And he goes, by the grace of God, that's not me. person just needed Jesus too. We need to be leading people to Christ, salvation. We need to be discipling people. Not just gathering knowledge, spreading knowledge out. And then we need to be walking like Jesus. Not just living like Christ when we're here today, but like living like Christ every day of our life. Whether we're at home we're at family's house, we're at work, wherever it is that we live a life that says Jesus is my Savior. There's no little people. The world wants to make a big deal of celebrities and how great they are and everything else. It's not about that. We need to remember the lost, the broken, the fallen. Uh, Paul talks about Christians, calls them shipwrecks beside the road. We need to think about the people that, that used to serve and they don't anymore because someone crushed them. And the sad part is a lot of times it's a church that does it. But we all have this flesh that gets in the way sometimes. But if we humble ourselves, make amends with people that we've wronged, what an opportunity we have going forward. As a community, we have a community here that needs God, right in this area. You guys have neighbors, you guys have friends, you guys got people you work with, you got people you run into in the grocery store. Listen, my philosophy is this. Everybody I see needs a relationship with Jesus Christ until I see something different. And when I see something different, it means that they already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if they don't, I got to talk to some people recently, and, and I got to ask them, and, and I said, uh, I said, hey, tell me about your God story. And they said, well, I was baptized. I said, I didn't ask you if you were baptized. I said, tell me about your God story. Well, but when I was, no, it's not about that. It's about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to hear when God came into your life and he radically changed you and made you his. That's what I want to hear about. I want to hear about when I get to talk to you and you say that, listen, you are my brother in Christ and I have no doubt that I get to go to heaven because I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you don't have that story here today, today is that day. Don't leave out of here and not have that. Listen, Jesus is at the door and he's knocking. And he wants to come in, but we look at him at the door and goes, listen, if I open that door, everybody else is going to know I opened the door. Or we'll be a lot like Nicodemus and going by night. And saying, hey, yeah, I know who you are. Anybody else here? Listen. Don't let pride separate you from Jesus. Don't let the world separate you from Jesus. There's people here that have trusted Jesus as their Savior, and, and that's where they stopped. Listen, dive into the ocean that's Christ. Trust him. Trust him. We have a great opportunity right now. We have a great opportunity in this community I love to see our numbers. Our numbers have been steadily going up. I can't wait till everybody's not sick. And then we're going to get even a little bit bigger. Our numbers online keep on going up. Praise the Lord. I see different ministries picking back up. Next door, we've got the facility. We're in the process of getting that ready, and we're going to start doing things over there. And we're going to start making much about Jesus in everybody's life. We need help. Listen. Help. Well, you say, but Jeff, I can't do anything. Be present. We can help. Let us help you help. And we'll give you a different way. Let's fight for, let's fight for souls. Let's fight for souls. Let's just be like the children. Let's love. Let's trust. And let's just believe. Right? I'll tell you what we're going to do. Is we're going to go ahead and trans, trans, uh, transition right into our Lord's Supper. 
And this is a chance for communion. And I, there's a couple things I want to talk about here real fast with this. And then don't think I forgot to give you a chance to come forward and pray. We're going to do that here at the end of the service. I'm going to get you guys a chance, everybody, to come forward. And this wasn't in the bulletin, but that's okay on it. But, so first of all, let me, let's, let me just tell you, first of all, who's communion for? It's called communion of the Lord's Supper. Who's it for? It's for people that have trusted Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, I don't care if you're a member of another church or whatever. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him and you've said yes, Jesus, in your life, and you said, I trust you, I believe in you, then you are welcome to have that with us. But the Bible also talks about that, that if we've got big sin in our life and we've got these different problems in our life, it says just let it go by. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to let it go by. Because it talks about bringing judgment onto yourself that you don't need. When we pass out the elements here in a minute, um, I'm going to give you a time of reflection. Listen, if you've got something in your life that's separating you from Jesus, it's separating you from God the Father and everything. It's a chance that you can go ahead and confess that to him. It's kind of like a, a whiteboard that you have writing all over it. It gives you a chance to put some spray on and wipe it all down and get us a nice clean slate as we go forward, right? And it'll give us that chance to do that. Um, I've talked to people and it says, uh, Jeff, I goes, I'm just not in that place right now where I can do that. Man, I need to pray for you. Because God actively wants to forgive you actively so let's go ahead and i'm going to go and get the deacons and everybody come forward and we'll go ahead and pass out the elements here we do communion on the on the first sunday of the month is what we've been doing communion on. I love it. It's a great opportunity. I know there's been times in my life that my dad and I haven't been really close, but when I find out when I just speak to him, we get close again. And this is our chance to do that. I want to, head and, I want to read this for you. I'm just going to read it. I'll read it again here in a minute. It says, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through, uh, uh, through 29, it says, I have received from the Lord, which I was also delivered... Uh, to you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup after supping saying this is the this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you remember me for as often as you eat this bread and you drink of this cup you proclaim uh, the Lord's death until he comes it says therefore whoever eats the bread, or drinks the blood of the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, drinks, but the cup of the Lord in an unworthy man, he shall be guilty of the body and, a, and of the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment unto himself, if he does not judge his body rightly. So I really want you, this is a serious matter. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to ask our, our, our deacons to do this for us. Heavenly Father, uh, first of all, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for opportunities that you give us every single day, Lord, just not right now, that, that, that we, can, we can clear up our lives with you, that we can, we can allow, just get the stuff out of our way. Move the garbage out. And Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that you would just bless these elements that we have here, the, the bread and the juice. And, and Lord, as we take this, just remember the sacrifice that you did on the cross for us. How you paid that price, that sin debt that, that each one of us couldn't do, Lord, that you've done. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless these sacraments right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Gentlemen.
So he said, this. He said, this is my blood which I shed for you. This is my body which I broke for you. And he says, he says, listen, when you take these, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember, remember what it was that I did for you. So everybody's heart should be clear right now. You've taken this time that you've, that you've examined yourself and that you've confessed what it is, that you've started with a new slate. So I'm going to ask you if you would, go ahead and, and take the bread and take the juice and remember Jesus, remember him. I'll go ahead and have the band go ahead and come up. I'm so thankful that I get a time in my life that, that, I, that I can come in and I can just kind of settle things up. I can take the, I can take the, the, the ledger of, of the, things I have, <clears throat> the things I have in my life and I can kind of blot them out and I can, I can get right with my Lord and do that. And I love the fact that we get to do communion uh, one of the things I was talking about today, I was talking about humbling yourself. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you that you would step out in faith, that you would step out and you would say that, listen, Jeff, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'd like to have one. I would love to have the opportunity to share you, not from what I think, but what the Bible says on how you can know for sure you can go to heaven. In 1 John, it says, these things I've written unto you that you may know you have eternal life. You don't have to leave here not knowing where your eternity is. We were built for eternity. We're either going to spend an eternity in heaven or we're going to spend an eternity in hell. The bread that you just took and the, and the, and the juice that you just took is symbolism of what Christ has already done for you. The Bible says that he died for the entire world. But we have to come to him. Listen, you might be here today and you might say that, listen, Jeff, I've, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I've not been baptized. If you'd like to get that, I would love to do that. I'll fill it up every day if that's what it takes. Maybe you're sitting here and you say that, Jeff, I'm not a member. And I would like to be part of this church. I'd like to get involved. I would like to be more than just someone that attends church. I want to be someone that's a part of church. Come on. Don't allow pride to keep you sitting in a chair. Don't allow it. Listen, the thing that happens is different. It says everyone, the Bible says when people come in a relationship with Jesus that all heaven breaks out and rejoice. The devil will tell you to sit down in that chair and don't let anybody know your business like my grandma with her sack, right? I don't want people to know my business. But here's the reality is, is that when you come forward and you trust Jesus as your Savior, what happens is this church is going to break out in joy for you. It'd be the exact opposite. Brother? Brother?